You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, Matt DeMarinas from White Blue Review going to join us here in just a moment. We'll get to uh, Jeff. Uh, Nick has some information. Yeah, I might got it on. Some, might be some uh, triggered information. You guys are somber. I now. got it on a very, 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 oh, very like good authority that the uh, block and that you saw the baseball team working out with and in the schedule poster, that will be the look. It's here to stay. Oh, be a quiet Dig- May around here. Digest uh, that. Here is uh, Jeff. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. Oh, Jeff's not there. Oh, no. Jimmy, you have... Uh, you might be onto something here. Yeah, I think now, if it's over like a like now, a couple minutes, it just now, well, now, this will be a test. We, if we can't get Matt here, then yeah. we're in trouble. Yeah. Uh, good morning, Matt. Morning, fellas. Yes, How are you? yes. Thank you. Matt, thank you. Matt wasn't thank on hold that long. That, that, that means we're good. All right. Um. All right. You are. Hey, you're a big hat guy, right? Uh. I, I wear hats. Yeah, I don't. I, you know what? To think about it, I don't know that I've very rarely seen you without wearing a hat. Oh, well, there's just nothing on top of the head, so, you know. Hey, I can relate. I can relate, man. All right. Um, we won't get into hat police and our, our favorite hats. Um, but let's get in. Let's get into this. Give me your give me your, your read on the circus that was in Providence over the weekend with Ed Cooley coming back. And then what has happened the last two days with the Divine Providence documentary that all of a sudden Jeff Goodman got in the middle of? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> um, where do you start? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think where I should launch that, launch off of. Um, I mean, Providence fans, I wasn't like, you know, the things they're talking about in terms of why Ed Cooley left Georgetown, I don't know why they're still on top of those things. Um, I don't even know if I want to mention them on the air, but it's just like, it's one of those things where it's getting so, it's gotten so personal that I think they've lost the plot a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was there for 11, 12 years. They had some of the best success they've had. I mean, look at what they did before Cooley got there. And then he takes them to seven NCAA tournaments and wins a Big East regular season title, wins a Big East tournament title, and then he just, and he, you know, and he, he moves on. Like, yeah. just move, zoom out a little bit and just say, okay, yeah, we're not, I mean, it sucks that he left. We wish he would have stayed. But you don't have to go to the places you're going to kind of justify your hatred of the decision and of the person. And they just, they just won't back off that. Like, all these months later, they're still... It's still like it's like it just happened yesterday, and yeah. you know I think they're missing a fun season. In you know they're sacrificing a fun season just to hate Ed Cooley. You know Kim English is a good young coach. Right. Um, Devin Carter's having an incredible season. They're trying to stabilize things after a catastrophic injury to Bryce Hopkins, and I think they're just they're kind of missing the boat. 
just to kind of you know chase vengeance, mm-hmm. if you will. It's just it's just it's really really um, unhinged behavior. And then the I mean, I don't know what you think you are in Providence, Rhode Island, but that's not the last coach that's going to leave there. I hate mm-hmm. to break it to them if, if any of them are listening right now, but <laughs> I mean, Patino Patino left. Yeah, Tuli left. English is going to leave. Like I don't I don't know what what they think they got going on there that it's. Uh, you know, it's traitorous behavior to, 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 you know, take a different, take a different opportunity after a certain amount of years. But Cooley was there for over a decade. Like, I don't know what you, why that's such a, a move that never should have been allowed to happen in your mind. And then things that, I mean, just that, that documentary itself is like, I mean, honestly, the first like 40 to 45 minutes are actually pretty good. Yes. It's kind of like, it's, it's a look back, it's a historical perspective on Providence. And then, yeah, I don't know. There's some barstool dweeb that they that is, you know, a Providence fan that they have on there basically trying to act like the uh, authority figure on the reasons why things went down and there's there's just so many wild accusations with Cooley, with Jared Grasso from Bryant who got in there somehow <laughs> involving, you know, drug dealing and what it's like, what are you <laughs> what are you talking about, my guy? Like, get a hold of yourself. And then, you know, message boards being some kind of quote-unquote digital footprint. I'm like, are you, I, I mean, it's just, it just went off the rails <laughs> in such a wild way. And I don't know, like, Goodman's part of it is really strange because, I don't know, he's, he's, he's kind of, you know, uh, brash. and He is. Um, you know, he, yeah. he, he, I think he goes a little bit too far sometimes and he's just kind of, I don't know, that's just, yeah. just the way his personality is. And, you know, going after this, <laughs> going after this burner, setting jail time over this burner <laughs> account that made this documentary. I don't think he realized how like tight knit the big East is, um, especially the online portion of it, you know, like it's a league that gets, that has some teeth in terms of going after each other because these rivalries are longstanding, you know, but this league is really connected in terms of how much of a community it feels like, you know? So, um, I think he underestimated what his behavior would unleash in terms of the blowback. So that's kind of where we're at with it right now. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to go away because his 45 second apology last night wasn't really an apology. It was more of a justification of his behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Biggie's Twitter's not letting, <laughs> letting that go, unfortunately. <laughs> so he kind of made it worse, but, I'm uh, yeah. I'm just watching from afar. It's it's got some entertainment value to it, but it's also kind of you know, also kind of psychotic in some some aspects. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up something that, and I don't want to spend too much time on this. Talk a little bit more of what's happening on the court, on the on the court, and in Creighton and everything. But I, you you brought up Kim English. Like I, I'm I'm thinking about if your fan base is so fixated on on this exit, if there's a hint that the administration is still hung up on it as well. If you're Kim English, what the hell are you thinking? You know, as far as Guys, I'm the coach now. I get it. This guy meant a lot to you, but I, I'm I'm here. Let's let's just focus on that. Like, I, this can't be the most comfortable thing for Kim English either. Well, that that was one of Ed Cooley's points in the post. Yeah, in the post yeah. Came from Georgetown. He's like, hey, you know, yeah, good coach. You, uh, like, stay in the moment and appreciate what you what you have. You know, I I know I left. I know you're mad at me, but you know, you guys haven't really missed a beat. You know, you're better defensively than you were last year. You have a stud that you can ride. Um, like the cover wasn't bare. I didn't take everything with me. Right. You know, I just left. 
Mm-hmm. And I think if you're Kim English and you've already, you know, you're, you've been, a, you know, you're a former power six assistant, you know, you're a rising star in the league, you know, according to some and, um, or in the, in the country, excuse me. And, uh, you know, you've already taken one stepping stone job into this one. Like I just, I mean, if you're Kim English and you're looking around going, these people are, these people have, <laughs> you know, some actually some passion, but, can I survive in this right. environment? Right, like, exactly. What, you know, what what behavior is allowed and not allowed <laughs> according to these people and, and is yeah. that actually a healthy place to, to be for a long time, you know? So yeah, I don't know, man. I just think they need to get over it. It's been it's been long enough. You can just, you can understand the reasons without having yeah. to make up ones that aren't aren't uh you know, aren't concrete. So I don't know, man. It was wild. It's a wild wild stuff. Hey, we uh, we collectively last night were watching Marquette and Villanova, and Marquette was blowing Villanova out. We started wondering about Kyle Neptune, and then all of a sudden, Mark Armstrong said, "Hold on a minute," and Villanova gets back into the game. But then Tyler Kolick says, uh, "Have you not seen me lately?" Here we go, and Marquette wins the game. And I look at Villanova, and I think, man, when they were in Omaha, Justin Moore was playing really, really well. Now Justin Moore is. Struggles to get you six a night. Armstrong was really good for them last night. But I'm, Matt, I'm looking at Villanova as a whole. They've lost five straight, six to seven. Their only win in that stretch is DePaul. Man, can where Villanova is right now and where they shouldn't be, in my opinion, can that be fixed? Uh, I mean, they had the pieces to fix it. That's the thing. That's why it's confusing. And Justin Moore didn't play in the game in Omaha. He was injured. That's right. So, like, that, that was even more impressive. Eric Dixon put him on their back and, um, you know, made a hum- humongous, difficult shot over Clark Turner to win it for him. Like that was a gut, that was a gritty gut check win that lets you know, like, oh, you know, this is what Villanova looks like without Justin Moore. Now they've won at Creighton, they beat North Carolina, they pounded Memphis, beat Texas Tech, like smacked Maryland in an embarrassing fashion. You know, you start to look at things and go, okay, maybe the losses to, you know, the Philly Five teams are just weird yeah. anomalies. They're actually a team that's as dangerous as they look on paper with all their experience and their talent. And then now it's just like, I mean, they played St. John's twice and that, you know, over 80 minutes, they were not competitive. Like that, <laughs> that's so strange to look at a Villanova team and see no, you know, nothing to pull from a positive standpoint, I guess, in a, in a two game matchup with a team. So St. And St. John's isn't like they're in year one right now with mm-hmm. the, you know, so it's not like they should look like that. So that's that they got swept by St. John's and didn't look competitive in either game. Um, the Marquette one, they uh, the first one in Milwaukee, they got outscored in the paint sixty to eighteen, and I'm just like, that doesn't sound like Villanova basketball. Sixty points yeah. in the paint? Are you kidding me? Um, and then last night, you know, they're they're coming off a four game losing streak. Marquette doesn't have Cam Jones, mm-hmm. and. You just you just sleepwalk zombie mode for the first fifteen minutes and bury yourself into a twenty point deficit, and then you, I mean, yeah, Villanova deserves credit for fighting back, taking the lead, getting the crowd involved, giving themselves a chance to win. But I'm not like oh, there's a lot of people I've seen that are kind of like giving props to Villanova for the effort or whatever, and I think that effort was terrible. Like yeah. you know, if you lost four of five or five of six, and you're in a four game losing streak, and you have a less than 100% team in your building, the top 10 team, and you don't even you don't even hook it up until like 
five minutes left in the half when you're down 20 and you really have no choice, otherwise you're getting embarrassed. But that was that was not a great effort by Villanova. They have serious problems right now. Because mm-hmm. if, if you were expecting them to respond, last night was yep. the moment. At you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Butler game, you were in control, and they came back. But Hinkle is a house of horrors. We know that. Like, it's understandable. You can, you can, you know, DJ Davis went off. The game got out of control. It is what it is. But, like, back at home, Against a top ten team that isn't that, that's missing its you know is it's half of its backcourt uh, among other injuries that they're dealing with for Marquette and for the first fifteen minutes you just look like you're not even on the floor like you look like a you know you look like a Paul like what are you doing you know so I'm not giving yeah. them credit for responding because that was they had no choice at that point so uh, yeah and then Tyler Colick's part of it like yeah he. He woke up pissed off and stayed that way. He went, <laughs> he went, he went bananas last night at the fin. So, yeah, Marquette impressive. Villanova serious problems. Not sure where they go next. Uh, and real quickly on Marquette with UConn now and clinging back, how they've looked and you know, Marquette all of a sudden has you know don't look now, but they've now rattled off five in a row after dropping to Seton Hall and Butler. How close do you think Marquette is to UConn right now? Yeah, you know, I actually was thinking about this last night in um, probably longer than I should have. <laughs> but uh, you know, in 2020, when that when that Big East title came down to three teams, you know, in Creighton, Seton Hall, and Nova all mm-hmm. split it. Um, guys, Seton Hall was ten and one through eleven with nine to go, and Creighton and Nova were both seven and four. So there was like a that looked like a commanding, not yeah. giving it up for the lead, you know. And I think UConn's going to be in a similar position this year. But when you look at the way the schedules shake out for all these teams, like UConn, Marquette, and Creighton have kind of played three of the, I think, four easiest schedules in Big East play so far. Um, so February is going to get really interesting, you know? I think UConn is probably playing the best basketball in the country right now, mm-hmm. especially healthy. Mm-hmm. But I think I see, I see Marquette coming on, and I see Creighton coming on, and I'm not... I'm not sure we won't get something similar to 2020 when, you know, those teams that were in second and third caught up to Seton Hall via head-to-head wins and uh, an upset somewhere else, you know, that you weren't expecting. So, um, yeah, I don't think – I think it's a three-team race right now. I don't think it's over even as well as UConn's playing because I think Creighton and Marquette are, are – are playing really good basketball too. So I think it's just a matter. I think it'll shake out in terms like the way it'll shake out will be who can sustain it and who can peak at the right time. So, um, I think they're on, I think they're getting, I think UConn's on a plane of its own, but I don't think you, I don't think Marquette and Creighton are far off right now. So that kind of leads me into this question. Um, and, and it, it kind of sparked a thought here. Do you believe it's January 31st? So Creighton has gone mm-hmm. through January seven and one. Start of the conference year, 0-2. So they've done a nice bounce back. The only loss is at, at UConn, and they made up for it the Saturday against Seton Hall. Now the schedule gets a little bit more difficult, especially on the road. Um, but you get you get UConn comes here, you get Marquette that comes here. Do you believe that on January 31st, and not just a Creighton thing, but all the basketball teams, for the most part, right now you are who you are? Um, Getting close. Like I think there's still some. I think there's still uh, another level. Every team that's going to be good is going to go to mm-hmm. this next month and a half. Um, so I think if you like just to use a recent example, even when you look back last year at UConn, they weren't as good on January 31st as they were going to end up being. Like on 
March 1st, you know what I mean? So um, I think there's still some things that there's like, this is a minor things that I think all these teams can kind of get a little bit better at. Like Marquette, for example, um, you know, defensively they kind of have some lapses where they just give up a bunch of bombs and, you know, let teams go on runs like, uh, and they, and because they don't have a, like a true big, big five, like Oso is incredible. Oso Igador is incredible, but he's not like a traditional five. When you look across the league, like Klingon, um, Kalkbrenner, those guys, um, they still have some vulnerability vulnerabilities. Um, UConn is the one right now that looks like it has no weaknesses, but I bet you they're in their gym thinking like, you know, we can get exploited this way and that way and that way. So, I don't think January 31st is where you see teams um, have a handle on that, but I, I think they have it in sight. You know, I think they have those things like, okay, here's where, mm-hmm. and this is the, honestly that we might see this pretty soon for Creighton because they've had the, this is their bye week, you know, so they've been able to kind of get some rest, but also Mac mentioned it in his post game remarks from Paul. Like you can kind of like as a coaching staff, you can kind of look at things through a different lens without having to be so opponent specific, you know, they're going to jump into Butler probably today, I guess, and then do the two day prep and get the game going. But these last few days that they've had off here, have been all looking at it from, you know, where are we deficient? How can we get better? How can we shore up some of our weaknesses? So we might see it soon from Creighton because this has been the week they've used to evaluate themselves as opposed to just scouting for an opponent and preparing for a game. And for Creighton, I think many of us take a lot from the DePaul game, but when you think about the things that they're kind of self-evaluating too, I want to go to the consistency all of a sudden we're seeing from from Alexander and what he's showing and then what we saw even in kind of the rough patch there where Stephen Ashworth, you go back to that UConn game where Stephen Ashworth you know, was really one of the bright spots. Kind of having those guys synced up in that consistency, is that where you see – Creighton kind of getting to its strongest. If they're going to have that March look, is that where you kind of start to see that, especially in the backcourt as it's coming together more consistently? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a, that's a big one, definitely. Especially as you try to figure out, you know, like Gary said, who are you? And mm-hmm. what, are, what? And then the other part of that question is, like, not only who you are, but what can you accomplish? Right. Like, how, how far can you go, right? That's really what the ultimate mm-hmm. question becomes at this time of year. Um. Yeah, for them to be, you know, they want, they, you know, before the season started, they wanted to, you know, go to a Final Four, compete for a national championship. Like, those those aren't, those aren't like, those aren't small goals there, you know. You have to, you have to be playing at a certain level at a certain time of year to accomplish that. And to do that, you have to do the work now and get things going now. So I think when you look at, you know, there's a couple things from the DePaul game, even though you're right, you don't take it away, take anything much away from it. It's, it's kind of biggie through that. You don't want to lose that team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the main goal there. But like, you know, Ash was hitting five threes, not without, without having to go crazy. You know what I mean? And to, what I mean by that is he hit five threes within flow of, of the offense. And he's, mm-hmm. he hit the same shot he's been getting all season. So that's big because we've, we've kind of been waiting for his averages to come back up to his averages basically like he's getting open looks it's just they're just not falling so for him to hit five threes and have a couple more good misses that could have got him up to seven off a shot that he is taking every single night in games that's big because you know it's going to boost his confidence it's going to boost the team's confidence in his ability to knock down those shots 
And, you know, whether you say it fades or not, it does. You're human. Um, so that's big. Trail Alexander's playmaking, you know, I think he was, um, you know, his, his turnover ratio of the last handful of games has been really good as a combo guard who handles a lot of the one. Um, but he's also scoring at an efficient rate. His three-point mm-hmm. shooting is getting better. Like, I think he's hit, I think he's hit two threes in the last four games each. Um, so he's got the inside outside threat going. He's still making good plays off the bounce, um, good reads and ball screens. And then they're involving like they're involving Cockburner more consistently with, you know, post touches and um, involving him in the pick and roll, mm-hmm. using his screens better. And then you have, you know, a human microwave in Baylor Shireman who just can play off of all of that. Like he he is a great off the ball mover, great screener active on the glass and score downhill or from the three point line. Like, so I think those four are the key to it all in a big way. I know that's not saying something um, too revealing, but getting them all kind of in sync and comfortable with each other uh, to this point and having them all play at a high level is where is how you're, how Creighton's going to accomplish what they want to accomplish because they're the answers on the floor. So um, that's what this next month and a half, month and change is going to be about is getting them all in sync at the same time and getting them as confident as they possibly can be in everything they can do because they need those guys. They Matt, need those guys really badly. Matt DeMarinas uh, joining us from White and Blue Review, and uh, Matt will have full coverage tonight. Really good women's game. A uh, little bit of a rivalry. Creighton and Marquette play down at Sokol. Um, I want to finish with this. So, we're kind of midway through the conference season. You mentioned it's the Creighton bye week. They got Butler for a Friday night game. Butler's playing with some desperation if they want to make the tournament. Uh, they played well of late. Um, you, the Big East comes to you and they say, "All right, Matt, you cover Creighton. We're putting together a mid-season All Big East team. You can Ooh. only nominate one player. Who are you nominating on January thirty-first for the All Midway through the Big East season? One team from each." No, no, no. One player from Creighton. You get the Creighton vote. Oh. Who are you nominating? Um, let's see. I, uh, I think I would go with Baylor Shireman because the body of work throughout the whole season, I think, has been the most consistent. And I'm just looking at the top of my head. I might be wrong. <laughs> so we're like, well, look at these. No, just the feel. Um, You're absolutely right. Yeah, just the feel agreed. through. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I just think the team kind of goes. Yep. As Baylor's. Um, as Baylor kind of goes from a standpoint of like, you know, when he's talking, when he's engaged, and when he's when he's making shots, like, uh, you know, CHI this year. Here's one example. Like, this might not be a toxic topic people like, but. THI this year has kind of been, I think, not at its best um, for whatever reason. I'm not, I don't, I, there's a lot of theories, but I just don't think it's been had as much pop as it usually does for the kind of games they've been playing there. And like, you know, the Xavier game, when uh, when Baylor started going off yes. and really carried them through that, like that, that was a big time gut check moment for their season, right? Because you're coming off the Seton Hall game, everybody's really tired, um, Xavier's putting on you. And Baylor kind of, you know, carried them through that, which is the, you know, one of his trademark heaters. And the it, the crowd followed that, like <laughs> they that was as loud as I've heard it all season. And it was all just based off of, you know, the things that Baylor was doing out there. Um, so I kind of think he's 
You know, I think Kalkbrenner is the most indispensable without question, just because their identity is patterned around his abilities. But, you know, based on play all season, I would put it at Baylor Shireman because I think he might be the heartbeat. You know, I think it might, I think they might follow him in a way that they don't follow anybody else. So that, that to me, because all those guys have been producing, so yeah. it's not, it's hard to disperse that. So I think the difference there is, you know, what type of production Baylor's capable of and how much of an impact does it have. That's why I would choose Baylor at this point. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, look forward to tonight. That should be a high-level game uh, down at Sokol tonight and, of course, on uh, Friday at the Chai. Yep, sounds good, guys. Thanks for the time. That's uh, Matt DeMarinas again. Great stuff um, surrounding all of Creighton Athletics at White and Blue uh, Review. And a must-listen, a good, good, really fun breakdown after games uh, with Matt and uh, Jacob on their uh, podcast. You think uh, Creighton has hit their ceiling, and then they're just really, really good, so they navigate through the rest of the season? I, th- I feel like they're they're about there, yeah. You think Nebraska's hit their ceiling? No. You think Omaha's hit their ceiling? That might be a little bit more. I, I don't think you, you, that, you that, haven't been that, able to see. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. But um, as far as yeah, Nebraska, no Creighton. Yeah, yes, I think they're they're very close to it and. Again, I'll yield to you with the Omaha part of it. But as far as where they've been in with that Denver win, too, here recently, and a guy that we're going to be talking to here very shortly, yeah, I think they're, they're they're at least getting close to that that level where you get excited. Because I remember when I when I would do PA for them, you would start to get into February, and you, you kind of look at what is kind of a logjam in the Summit League right now, too. You start to pay a close attention to like the, the fine details of how they're playing. Are they able to string some wins together? That's kind of what, again, from afar – uh, that I'm, I'm hoping we'll see with Omaha where you're able to stack those good weeks on top of each other. Uh, Fred Hoiberg speaks at 11.30 this morning. Uh, so a preview of Wisconsin and uh, maybe a status update on his uh, roster who may be available for the game tomorrow night against Wisconsin. That's the difference. Uh, if, if you don't beat Wisconsin, you're probably going to have to need two road wins. Yep. If you beat Wisconsin, you still got to win on the road, in my opinion. But also bumps you maybe a line or two. So if you're last one in, last four in, whatever, mm-hmm. you put Wisconsin on the resume, you could you could probably hang in the 9 and 10 for a while, and you, you just worry about seeding. Yeah. And grabbing one or two road victories. Yep. You got Michigan at the end of the year. Uh, uh, I, hey, all the energy in tomorrow night. Illinois, what it is. Shannon looked great last night. They won on the mm-hmm. road at Ohio State. Um, but Fred speaks at 11.30 uh, today. Uh, so that'll be something to look forward to. That's tomorrow night at 7.30. Yeah. Yeah, Omaha and St. Thomas play at 7. Frankie Fiddler will join us coming up at the top of the next hour on 1620 The Zone.